Hey everyone, just want to encourage you to find us on your listening platform and give us a rating. Anywhere you listen to that has a rating system, go on over and give us a rating and maybe leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. These ratings really do help. Thank you so much for listening. On to this week's episode. Hey guys, if you're listening to this podcast, this is not a re-release of our old Pinocchio episode. We're actually covering another version of Pinocchio within like the same four month span. Are we Pinocchio'd out? Is this the Pinocchio we've always waited for? Which one do we prefer? Tune in to find out. I'm Nicole. And I'm Rolando. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast about unoriginality. Hey guys, how's it going? A couple weeks to the end of the year. I know. Can uh, you believe? I can't. And uh, yeah, another I think, year. I think you and I are still on the fence of whether or not we're going to cover Avatar. I'm throwing it out there. Usually we bring this up on the show, some behind the scenes drama going on here, but figured maybe <laughs> our audience would like to weigh in and let us know, hey, yeah, definitely cover Avatar because that should be in the running for you know the end of the year uh you know polls that we do but yeah and maybe if you follow us on instagram or twitter you know head to there and vote because Mm -hmm. if nobody votes then you know it's just gonna take even longer for us to decide but we definitely want to hear whether or not people want to like hear this kind of content or not and also i don't know if you know rolando but like the golden globe nominations got announced this week Uh, and the golden globes know they're kind of like Obviously, they're very problematic, but they're trying to make a comeback. You know, should we let the Hollywood Foreign Press Association make that comeback? Do we want to live in a world where we forgive them? I don't know. Well, what are we forgiving them for? Um, So they pretty much did not have any diversity in the Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah. And the other big thing is that Brendan Fraser accused the president of like sexually assaulting him. Uh huh. So like, it's just a bunch of problematic people that hand out those awards kind of a thing yeah plus it's also pay to play it's really like what's it called i think i think honestly that's the bigger issue i have with the awards well no i mean personally but i think the drama around them sure there is lots of drama around them uh racism aside uh i think the bigger issue is like the awards are meaningless if like all they just do if whoever pays the most to get in front of these yeah uh golden globe you know judges is the one who gets the nominees just like kind of makes these awards kind of meaningless. You know what I mean? No, for, well, and that's, yeah. and that's well, more, yeah. I guess that's more like, I'm not saying racism aside, like it's no big deal. Obviously. Yeah. That's fucked up. But I'm saying it's just like, but like, I guess the awards don't matter if like, if whoever pays the most is whoever gets the award. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And I feel like most people know that the golden globes are kind of like this joke. It's more so like fun, but it's also, this is where we start to see and like, you know what's going to get nominated for the academy award starts to take shape essentially Mm. so like if you get nominated here your odds are that much better right um if people still care about the academy awards that is i mean but i wanted to tell a couple to you because we did cover a couple and you might be happy about some of them and i'm gonna say jenna ortega come on i already we already knew that we threw a party for her she didn't come we did well (laughs) well for best motion picture drama avatar the way of water is nominated it's already nominated. Oh. It hasn't even come out yet. I know, I right? It's, it's already had. This. It already had the critics. Uh, but it, it comes out tomorrow. Uh, releases, so. you know, like I'm sure the critics already got to see it. So, yeah. Then Elvis got nominated for drama, not mo- musical or comedy. That's it got nominated for drama. Weird. It wasn't okay. That definitely paid. Yeah, the I I think it's not a drama, but I don't. Um, think well, actually, no. Elvis is like I I think Elvis is a guaranteed best picture nomination. At I don't the Oscars. think so. I think I so. Let's see. Right, let's, let's I, I'll see bet that. money on that. <laughs> I'll bet you five whole dollars that if it gets the nominations, right. one of those like pity nominations dollars. that like it's not, it's not going to win. But cool, I can't wait to win five dollars from you. Um, then the Fablemans, Tar, and mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick. Okay. In musical or comedy, Babylon, which hasn't been released yet, The Banshees of Inisherin, great film, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Actually, now that I realize it, none of these we've covered. Glass Onion and Triangle of Sadness. Okay. The big thing. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress. 
Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever got nominated. Nice. As as me and Mackenzie mm-hmm. have been screaming on top of the world, it's just like she's going to get her. She deserves an Oscar nomination for the Nanamas alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a good sign that she might get the recognition she deserves at the more important award shows. Um, also nominated for a couple of things is the film we're covering today. So for best original score, best original song, and best animated feature is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is what we are covering. Um, we've already covered Pinocchio this year, mm-hmm. and I can't believe we're talking about this story yet again, but we did the Disney one where the Disney live action remake of their animated film. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is very much its own thing. It felt very, very much like its own film, even though the story was very familiar to me in more mm-hmm. ways than one. And uh, I just, yeah, I'm actually really excited to talk about this because as a filmmaker, I think Guillermo del Toro is one of the more, um, I think he's one of the best out there currently. And you could always rely on him to give you something interesting. Whether oh, yeah. or not you think I, it's, yeah. Oh, I, I agree 100% on that one. Like he's not, I don't know if he's my favorite filmmaker, but he's one that I'm consistently very excited to see his work, right? I don't know if I have a favorite filmmaker, so that's why I say I don't know if he is, but... I, I, mm. I, I tend to gravitate towards his projects because I think he has like a very, very specific vision. And a lot of his movies tend to really deal with like the either the aftermath or like the current going ons of war. Right? Absolutely. Like, and trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 fascism in a weird way. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you, you know, know, he's he... a relic of the Spanish Spanish Civil War, I want to say, is like one of the things that really influenced his like. That the ravages of the Spanish Civil War affected his childhood and stuff. As a result, mm. he, yeah. uh, you know, his movies tend to deal with a lot of that drama. And then you meet that with the fact that he is a complete film nerd who loves genre films, in particular horror films. You get a really dynamic filmography. Some of his films being The Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. uh, Hellboy and Hellboy 2, Pacific Rim, which I was kind of on the fence about, um, Crimson Peak. Shape of Water, which won the Academy Award that year, uh, which I'm kind of, I'm like, really? But still, like, a great film. Nightmare Alley, which we did last year, which Mm -hmm. I still think is one of the better movies that came out last year. And now Pinocchio. And it's interesting because between Hellboy 2 in 2008 and uh, Pacific Rim in 2013, that's a long gap there between making a movie. That was like six, seven years. And the reason why was because Pinocchio was was supposed to come out during that time. He was was working on Pinocchio. He was also writing books. Yeah, well, he announced it, this project, in 2008, right after he did Hellboy 2. I think it took a couple of years, and it was originally slated to be released in 2013, 2014, but then they had to kind of abandon the project because they couldn't find any funding for it and anyone to uh, back it up and release it. Which is interesting, right, when you think about it? Because it's Guillermo del Toro. Like, you're going to – I mean, I can't – I can't promise that like it's going to be a money maker, but like I can promise you, it'll be definitely probably get some accolades. You know, I yeah, it'll get no, you prestige. I, I agree. Well, also he's like he's a name that I think most moviegoers recognize, and he gives you original content. Um, and he doesn't like I don't think his movies are like that big budgeted. Uh, I think a lot of people like Pan's Labyrinth in particular. I think is. A very iconic film he's he's a bit of what they call an auteur kind of like when we were talking about tim burton last week you know you can recognize when you're watching a guillermo del toro film like just the way that you know he works with his art directors and his costume designers and the people who score his movies it's a very unique kind of feel to them so i feel i don't know overall like i think that would be something that people would want to invest in <laughs> but i don't know shit about the business side of this stuff man clearly i'm, just, I'm, I'm always in the art here in this podcast you know <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i think also like they got founders and people backed out and then other people did but then it went into development hell for like a couple of years and then finally netflix in about 2018 came in and was like yeah we'll acquire it and we'll give you the money you need to finish it and here we are in 2022, and it's finally lit. And this is his passion project. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Del Toro, as a child, saw the Pinocchio that Disney made and always loved it because he was like, oh, it's like a horror movie. 
Because like we've said in the other episodes, Pinocchio is scary. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of disturbing. <clears throat> it's not really something that, I don't know, it's different for children to watch it as opposed to, say, The Little Mermaid. Or, or I don't know. The Little Mermaid uh, also is another story that's technically gruesome. Like the real story. Have you ever read The Real Little Mermaid? No. Is that Hans Christian Andersen or is yeah, that Grimm? that's Hans Christian it's Andersen. Hans Christian. Like it's what's it called? A, it's... A lot of people speculate that he wrote. Well, we'll talk about this on the Little Mermaid episode, but like that he was gay and in love with this other man who was married, and that's how he kind of like let the story get untold, like told. But like the Little Mermaid dies at the end, right? Unlike the the real one. So like, yeah, the real you know the, oh, these, yeah. these Disney stories that we grow up with, like the real ones, tend to be a lot more gruesome and horrific at the end of the day. Yeah. No. I mean, absolutely. In Cinderella, she. Uh, one of the sister stepsisters like disfigures her foot so that she could fit into the shoe, mm-hmm. and then like when he finally realizes it's not her and takes it off, it's filled with blood. <laughs> Definitely more gruesome for Dis- than Disney would care for. Yeah, right. Um, but he's always wanted to make Pinocchio. He always wanted to tell his own version of the story, and he wanted to adapt it his own way. And I think in terms of adapting this story for film and for a different medium uh i mean i'll just say it right now i think he 100 percent succeeded um i really enjoyed this i think it's i thought it was actually really moving and and really well done and uh i'm excited to hear what you have to say as long as it's positive <laughs> that i'm not excited to hear the negative things <laughs> no i i came out uh very very much enjoying this film uh it wasn't a hard sell for me to watch this movie right because Guillermo del Toro was attached I actually uh, the last project that he did with Netflix I've actually seen it maybe remember that I've seen Guillermo del Toro live like speaking uh, at Comic Con when he was doing press for Troll Hunters which is like this like series like Netflix series that he did that has like four different series that all encompass one storyline uh, and it's like this cute thing and stuff. And he, it was like, this was just a fun project that he did for Netflix. that was like animated and, uh, yeah. So like I, I've seen Netflix and Guillermo del Toro work together and stuff. So I was like, kind of like, yeah, of course I'll like when given the options, like, Oh, what are we going to cover? It was just like, I'm very much, this is like not a hard sell for me. Like I'll happily watch this. Yeah. Eddie on the other hand had uh, was a little bit of a hard sell to watch this. Why was it such a hard sell for you, Eddie? I don't know. I was just done with this, with this project, with this, uh, with Pinocchio. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I was done with Pinocchio with this material. Um, I wasn't, I mean, I liked the, um, the live action. Like I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I just went with the case. It's not one of my favorite Disney movies either, mm-hmm. too. So I was like, okay. I mean, uh, you know, I like the idea of it, but so when this came out and we had to do it, I was like, uh. I mean, what was the? You know, usually sometimes I'm like, you know what? I don't have to see it. I don't, you know, if I don't want to see it. But usually because it was uh, De Toro doing this, that's when I was like, I'm gonna give this a chance because I, I've always loved. Uh, I'm pretty much a big fan of him. Um, every everything that he he has his hands in, I usually watch and enjoy. So, yeah, you and, know, same, yeah, same about that feeling about having to watch this. I was like, ugh, not the biggest Pinocchio stand. Like, I just, <clears throat> I wasn't for it, you know. And then within the first ten minutes, I was like, oh no, I'm gonna love this. Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah, it was it was great. I didn't know it was stop motion. I thought it was uh, 3D rendering at first. Until like, I, like two minutes in, I was just like, "Wait a minute, this is stop motion, or is it just like rendered to look like stop motion?" And so I was like, oh, "No way, this is stop motion." What uh, the, maybe yeah. that would be the only reason in retrospect why no one wanted to fund this because it's so time consuming, time consuming. it's so Absolutely. expensive, and yeah. uh, the payoff can be nil, right? Like I think there have been some mm-hmm. stop motion films recently that came out that haven't really performed so well in the box office. I want to say Kobu. Is one of them, right? Like Kobu, Kobu. It's like a stop motion animation Kobu. about like, uh, I, I want to say it was like uh, Asian inspired, kind of uh, fighting demons and stuff. No, doesn't ring a bell. See, I'm not sure. You I'm and you're not a, sure, and you're yeah. a cinephile, right? Oh no, I feel disappointed in myself. As you should. <laughs> I mean, 
I can't even, there's not too many that come out. You know, they're usually always like the children films. I know like Wes Anderson made two stop motion films. Yeah, one um, Island of Dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I've um, I've only seen parts of Fantastic Mr. Fox and I have no desire of ever watching the whole film. Yeah, and it just seems like it's the biggest task for a person to put on. The fact that this took 12 years. I mean, for a lot of time, you know, they just kind of couldn't work on it and had they had to wait for people to help them um, or to help fund them. But it's like, wow, that's a long time. And that's a dead. That's like dedica- <laughs> dedication to that project. Because um, I don't know. I made it. I might have given up if it were me. Yeah. I'd just be like, well, that was a nice 10 years working on that. Right. Uh, but I'm good now. Um, there's actually a, uh, an additional special feature on Netflix where you can see kind of the behind and get an idea of how they put this together. So, and I did check it out. It was pretty cool. If you're into, you know, the behind the scenes and how they pull things off. Um, you didn't see this, so, but I rolled my eyes. Yeah. Talking to it the was audience. really important that the audience, uh, knows I think that. the audience needs to eyes. know that. So the one thing that we got to say up front about the story is that he took a lot of liberties with it because he... One of Guillermo del Toro's favorite films of all time is Frankenstein, the mm-hmm. the, the James Whale 1931 American version. And he saw a lot of similarities between Pinocchio and Frankenstein. So he kind of wanted to make his more of like, almost like a bit of both, with elements in both. And he decided to update it and not put it in like a classic fairy tale setting and to put it in 1920s, I believe, fascist Italy. Right. Which is a really interesting, a creative choice. 1930s. Uh, 1930s? It's, yeah, it's pre-world, because uh, uh, Il Duce was already in, in office at that point. Yes. Yeah, and he got, he got into office in, like, the early 20s. So, yeah, I guess it spans so long that, yeah, by the 30s, that's how long Carlo, I, I think, had died. Um, yeah, so a little bit of the plot. They give Geppetto a backstory. That's how they open it. And Geppetto had a son named Carlo, and he... He loved that boy. Um, the boy was he was he was a great boy. <laughs> he was like a beautiful, you know, loving, caring, affectionate child. And you see their life together in the first ten minutes, and you find out pretty immediately also that this is a musical, which I didn't know. And I just only I said to myself, I'm like, oh, Rolando's pissed. I was. Uh, I, I was. I was just like, oh, it's gonna be a musical. Yeah. And- if there's one thing that Rolando doesn't like more than a musical is watching a movie not knowing it's a musical and then it becomes a musical yeah, that's true. <laughs> he at least wants to know it's a musical before he signs up for it so it's like a, like, uh, I, I had no idea which yeah. i guess it should like be ready for animated films because i feel like most animated films have a musical number component but i didn't i, I didn't all right i'll be right up i didn't care for the music of this movie i did not care for these songs I actually, I quite enjoyed the music. I don't think they were in the sense of, ooh, they were nice and hummable and catchy songs. None of them were. But we don't I talk enjoyed about the mood of them. Um, and I enjoyed, the, yeah, I guess the best word I could say is the mood and the atmospheric quality of them. Um, I do think Alexander de Pla is a little overrated. Him and Hans Zimmer, I'm like, okay, there's other fucking scorers and musicians that can compose your movies, guys. But I think his kind of flair worked for this mm-hmm. and i don't know like the the my son song and the like chow papa songs like i don't know i thought they were like they were minimalist they were kind of repetitive but in a good way like i think they were also more realistic as to how maybe somebody like geppetto would have written a song in the 19 in the late 1910s because that's when the film starts it's like 1917 i believe mm-hmm. so I, I liked it personally mm. no yeah i didn't care for the music i the, i also found what was it about it did you just pinocchio's singing voice was kind of grating and i know it's like he's a, it's a child singing i couldn't stand it personally i don't know that's just me Eddie... i wish you would bring at least more constructive criticism Do you, <laughs> you ha- I don't, did you like the music Eddie? i mean realistically did you like the music no yeah i didn't it wasn't it wasn't like good it wasn't it wasn't mu- they weren't there were no bops, right? Like there was nothing in the music that I was just like, Oh yeah, like I wanna watch, like listen to this but, song but again. But is that the is that the definition of a good song if it's yes. a bop? Absolutely. I disagree wholeheartedly. I absolutely Well, hang on. It has to be either like I think it has to be either lyrically compelling, right? 
if it's not going to be a bop, it has to be either lyrically compelling or it has to have like a good harmony, like a nice, like it has to have like a nice sound. And like, I, I just, I, this kind of music kind of, it didn't work for me. It kind of felt like, uh, to be honest, it kind of felt phoned in some of the lyrics. Like, what is this? What is this? What is this? So you so didn't think it was, like, oh, off- God. But you didn't think it was authentic to like, the time period, the type of people, a wooden boy. No, honestly, honestly, if you cut out the musical numbers, I think this would have been the perfect movie for me. <laughs> this, because it's such a, <laughs> it's such a beautiful movie. It's gorgeous, and I think it was it's so uh, yes. Yeah, and I think very, the yeah, storytelling was so stunning. wonderful. But yeah. those musical numbers, I was just like, oh, I may, I was considering fast forwarding, but I was watching it with Eddie, and he doesn't appreciate when I just fast forward through things. <laughs> yeah, no, you probably you sh- you should just stick through it. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm just um, saying, yeah. It's just in yeah, retrospect, yeah. I'm just like, it's not like this is not the music in this film isn't the kind of music that I like in musicals, right? Like it's just not I don't know. Yeah. But you don't like musicals. I don't I, I also don't like musicals in general. It's not a hard and fast rule for me, but it's it's not it's not a genre I gravitate towards. I'm a bad gay. <laughs> All right, well, moving on from that. So he has this life with his son, Carlo. And while he is completing, because um, he is a, a, a carpenter, he is creating for his local church, Christ on the Crucifix in a church. And while he is at the church and his son goes in to fetch his pine cone, um, there is pretty much a bombing of the church, which is like, it's so like unfair you know, they're like, oh, they said that we weren't even a target. They were just letting loose their stuff. And it just so happened to bomb this church where this young boy was and kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's arbitrary. It's random. But like it happened and, and it just completely changed Geppetto's whole life and everybody's whole life and ended this guy's life. Um, I mean, that's a, and I, I think ultimately that's part of the chaos of war, right? Like how. Yes, absolutely. Random it can be like how unfair it is. And I think it was. Yeah. Like, I, again. I thought this was such a beautiful movie, and I think that was such a like did such a you know how like Up was able to tell like this love story in like three minutes like this one took a little longer for you, but it gave you a reason to really connect with Geppetto in a way Absolutely. that I think the Disney version only tried a little bit with like a picture to do right. Like, well, yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, one they gave him a backstory, but they also made him more uh, three dimensional. Oh yeah, Geppetto. He, like... be, after that, like he becomes a crotchety cranky drunk right rightfully so you know like his heart never recovered from from the loss of his son yeah and i think also having it be this arbitrary act of war that killed this boy instead of it being like they got caught you know like uh, in a in a raid and all these soldiers coming and like executing him like it wasn't that it was something simple and meaningless in the end of it that took this boy's life which just makes it hurt more so i thought that was like i don't know i i also felt like his overall commentary about life and death i think that fit into it really well and to set the stage up pretty well for you know everything that was to come mm-hmm. um and then we meet jiminy cricket who is actually sebastian J. cricket in this version and he's kind of like the only anthropomorphic or like a talking animal in the whole piece <laughs> you know and like pinocchio there's a bump there's the fox and there's all these people and the talking don- or the donkeys that were children but he's the only one in this one right um but i love too that it's just it's uh, normal in this world crickets talk and he uh, looks like a cricket well, wait, I got this the, looks like a cricket the the chimp also kind of spoke he was a puppeteer uh yes, yeah, Spazatura. Yeah, yeah so I love he only he only talked when when he was when he uh, held the puppet, know, which I thought was weird, yeah, right? really clever. Like... Also, you know who played that, right? Tilda Swinton. No, Kate Blanchett was Spazatura. Oh wait, I thought Tilda was. Uh, oh no, Kate Tilda Blanchett was, was the wood sprite, and she was uh, the death sprite. So did um, Kate do like the monkey noises too, like that? Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> see that I, I would love, love to see like behind the scenes footage of like. Like Guillermo del Toro is like, I need this to be more primate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry, did Eddie? Were you gonna say something and I I cut you off or? Oh uh, no, just yeah, I just found that so interesting because the even when he played, he plays different um characters when he was uh with the puppets, so he had like different voices for them and they were very articulate. And here he was like, just like a monkey grunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
uh, yeah, no, a really great character uh, decision. And spazzatura means trash or garbage in Italian. Oh. Poor monkey, just treated so despicably. Um, yeah, so the cricket wants to find a home. Finds a home in the tree that the pine cone that was Carlos sprouted into over 20 years after his death. And Geppetto one night in a drunken rage and just completely uh, feeling lost in his sadness, cuts down the tree and carves a boy. And kind of like in, in the facade of Carlo or essentially... He carves Pinocchio, the wood sprite, feeling terrible for him and, and the plight that he's in, decides to do him a solid and brings the boy to life. And then we get Pinocchio. And Which Pinocchio is... Oh, I just want... Mm-hmm. I, I thought that beautiful beautiful character design of the of the Blue Angel, yeah. right? Like, it was both creepy but beautiful. And I think I think they're supposed to be Will-O-The-Wisps initially, right? Like, yeah, the eyeballs yeah, and stuff uh-huh. that, like, kind of form into this, like... Eddie called them a seraphim. Yeah, that would be the design for a seraphim, like a uh, six-winged angel with the eyes. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it is very biblical. It, it it looked very biblical because if you ever looked at, like, what real drawings of the biblical angels would be, they're terrifying. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The upper well, echelons also- especially. Which is, which is so Guillermo del Toro, right? Like, he gives you both beauty and beast in one in one design or or yep or, or i don't know beautiful horror that you just can't take your eyes off like horror that is yeah. like these 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 creatures that can be so almost um material from your for your nightmares but there's something about them that's so captivating that you just can't like take your eyes like i just uh, every time that 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 creature and his sister appeared on the screen i just look at all the details that were involved yeah, so in creating well it mm-hmm. you know and like yeah death was easily by far so death shows up a little later that's the wood sprite sister uh i think or i don't sibling and uh that was i think such a gorgeous design for for a creature for like a character yeah and, stuff. and it just it it kind of made me realize like just even the wood sprite alone i was just like disney could never like disney would never (laughs) oh yeah no absolutely absolutely Um, not yeah so once pinocchio comes to life you know we hit all the similar beats that we've seen in the disney film um but they are different they feel different and they feel actually more like believable i'll say I hate the term realistic because, again, it is fantasy, but, like, believable, yeah. right? Geppetto kind of, yeah, like, in the Disney version, you know, he loves him, and he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. But in this film, he kind of rejects him. He's scared at first, and, yeah. and then he's scared. He, he's scared at first, and then as he's going to love Pinocchio, he's also realized, oh, my God, you're such a burden because you're yes. creating this spotlight on me. Like, the fascists are now, like, they don't, like... They don't like disorder, and Pinocchio is like just bringing disorder. The local townsfolk think of him as a demon, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a wooden puppet mm-hmm. just walking around. Uh, and then, and now he has to deal with his life because he's been quietly miserable for like twenty it's, years. It's true, now yeah. He has to deal with something. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the carnival keep who who just broke out into the most random song that I also could not stand. <laughs> We used to be kings. Was the name of the song, which I think by the title should be a song I would have loved, but I was just like so bored with it. Anyway, uh, but he's another one who, once he gets the attention of Pinocchio, like he makes Pinocchio sign a contract, and now Geppetto finds yeah. himself in debt, right, mm-hmm. as a result of Pinocchio's actions. And I think they did a really good job of not making Pinocchio likable at first. Well, yeah, he's like a child, and he because he's you know Whoa, born yesterday. <laughs> um, but he, that's the thing; like, he is like a child. Who am I offending? Children, like children, need to Parents. learn things. But the problem is, is that everybody thinks that Pinocchio needs to learn certain things, right? He's just he's brand new to life. He's so excited for it, and he wants so desperately to please his father. But yeah, father calls Geppetto straight up calls him a burden. And then mm-hmm. the fascist guy in town, who I, I don't really think I know his name. Podesta. Well, um, he was the Podesta. There you go. 
he is like, you must discipline him. So he must go to school. And again, I had such a problem in the original Pinocchio with like, oh, you're a boy, which means you have to go to school. This movie actually, <laughs> I'm like, that's why he has to go to school. Because mm-hmm. the fucking fascist officer forced him to. And Geppetto doesn't like all the attention that's going on. He, it's also a way to just get rid of this thing that he considers a burden. And also he wants it to be Carlo. And it it injects this interesting aspect of father-son relationships, of never living up to your father's ideas for you. Never being who you think or who who you know your father wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And kind of like that burden now. I don't know. Like, I has, did that resonate in any way for you in terms of like, oh, wow, look at this father-son dynamic that they're throwing in there. Like, did that did you feel like any of that worked? Yeah, no, I, I think it worked. I think uh, the film for sure made me I mean, I think the father son messaging in this film was a lot stronger than like the one in, in Disney because the Disney one is so sanitized that like, you don't yes. get any real oomph here or in this mm. one, they fight, they fight. Yeah. He runs away. And now Geppetto has to deal with those consequences and he goes out searching for him. Uh, you know, I, and, it, and it's, yeah. it, not and it's realizing interesting to see that uh, Sebastian J um, it's more ends up being the conscience of Geppetto than Pinocchio. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, he's like, you created him. You have responsibility. He loves you. <laughs> you know, yeah. he loves you. Can't you uh, just love him back for who he, yeah. who, for who you are? And you don't love him for who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I also thought it was funny that every time uh, Jiminy Cricket wanted to sing a song, something happened. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was, <laughs> that was like favorite. That was my. Favorite. It was a very. It was a good gag. Oh and he, just all the pain that poor Sebastian went through. Uh, yeah. Also, like, like I believable for how people would treat an insect. Totally. Yeah. Well, my favorite. My favorite is when, he, when uh, Geppetto first sees him, he's like, ah, he's full of cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. The voice acting for um, Geppetto is great. David Bradley. Uh, he's yes, so good. Yes, who he's from Harry so, Potter so fame. I yeah. know him from The Strain, which is the TV show adaptation of Guillermo del Toro's book, The Strain, which is about uh-huh. a zombie vampire apocalypse. And the Staten, oh, yeah. mayor, the Staten Island mayor who wipes him out. Yes. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's so much drama in this. So much drama. <laughs> Anyway. So we have, um, as a puppet master in this one, Count Volpe and his sidekick, the monkey Spazzatura. Uh, Count Volpe is played by Christoph Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said Kate Blanchett plays Spazzatura. So what did you think about that character? Uh, I know you said he broke out into a terrible song that you on paper should have loved. But overall, like, I, I thought, actually- it, I mean. Yeah, well, go ahead. I mean, that to me was like the moment where I've, Oddly enough, felt like I was like, okay, this is Pinocchio. Uh-huh. Um, it f- it felt like you know, kind of obligated to hit those notes and to hit that whole aspect. Um, but it did do it in a believable way, and I do think that Pinocchio would have probably like loved that kind of life. Like everything, I I I was with it, even though it also was like they didn't do anything too new and too exciting to it. But um, well, Christoph Waltz, made... I think, is such a dynamic yeah. voice actor. I think the biggest change is just how villainous they made uh, the Volpe. Count Volpe, right? And I think it works. You get to see more of the abuse instead of just like one or two scenes in the original right. Disney. Yeah. And, not yeah. Even the, and so that's something that not even the original. It's like the remake of the Disney one where we see like how cruel the puppet master is. Here we see like it's not. It's not. It's a physical cruelty that he is. He's just a monstrous person, uh, which yeah. always made me. Which makes me wonder, like, why is the ringleader of the circus a? Sorry. Why is the ringleader of the circus also a puppeteer? Like, shouldn't he be? I don't know, tending to the books and like doing other things with the circus. Just... <laughs> yeah, where's everyone else? Like, he has a full circus. And yeah, yeah like, it's just like, he, yeah, why is this, why is the puppet the only source of income? What about the bearded lady and the strong man? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, where, yeah, where, where are all what's... your freaks, bro? Right. <laughs> where are your geeks, freaks and geeks? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th- I guess that to me, too, is like, okay, you know, this is just, it's a Pinocchio part, so maybe it's not giving me everything that I feel like I need from it. I have more questions perhaps. 
but I still I still liked it. I think actually the more interesting and dynamic change is that they get rid of the island, the pleasure island, where they turn the boys turn into donkeys. Mm-hmm. And they change it into this whole thing with the Podesta mm-hmm. who's training boys to be soldiers because yes. what they see in Pinocchio is that he is the dream fascist soldier. Which and is more or less character- which is more or less the same thing as the idea for the donkeys, right? Like the donkeys were literally going to be just workers. This is just like you're just mm-hmm. bodies for the this war. This is a different, yeah. It's, it's just a, the same exact metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you are still turning these young boys into jackasses mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, but they have Candlewick, a character who is initially a bully, and then they give some death to him. And the reason why he is this bully is because he feels like he has to be because of the standard that his father set for him. Right. You know, so it's all like these boys who are kind of being crushed by the sh- these dark looming shadows of their fathers. Um, however, although I appreciated that they didn't put the donkey part in and I loved that, um, I don't really know if that whole section worked as well for me. I thought the scene between him and Candlewick in the room and when they're in their bed, like when they're being young boys and they're like, I can, no, you can't, I can, or whatever that dynamic was. I thought it was really cute. Right. Um, and then Vol- and then Candlewick starts to cry and they realize about their father. And I thought that was interesting. But then I guess when they start like doing the whole paintball exercise and how it all ends up and then he ends up back at with Count Volpe or whatever. I don't know. How did you feel about that section? That kind of Well, how he ended up back with Count, well Count Volpe, me. I thought was like a little bit of a stretch. Like Count Volpe yeah. is on this island for ch- just randomly for children. Uh but no, but the actual paintball scene I liked, and I actually did like the showdown between uh, Candlewick and his father a little bit because it's such a foil to the relationship between Geppetto and Pinocchio, right? Like, Pinocchio yeah. is almost his firm believer that, like, no, you know, your father loves you and stuff. But, like, we get Candlewick's side where it's just like, I don't, that's not, it's not always the case, right? Like, you, sometimes fathers are yeah. dicks. Sometimes fathers are bad. As members of the gay queer community we know this for a fact like sometimes parents are toxic and that's okay to say i don't need this you know what i mean like so i think that was i thought i actually thought that that sequence worked because i think it just painted that it was just a nice foil to the relationship that geppetto has with pinocchio at that moment or at least the relationship that we know pinocchio and geppetto had because keep in mind like pinocchio may have run away at that point of the, of the story, but he was still in his mind sending money to Geppetto. It's it's not his father the, that the uh, Count Volpe wasn't sending the money. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Yeah, no, definitely not Pinocchio's fault. And the, um, and the reason yeah, okay, the fascists I see it from that. wanted Pinocchio was because they discovered that Pinocchio is immortal, right? They had these beautiful sequences where like Pinocchio goes into the underworld and uh, death kind of tell this is how they bring that whole idea of like what makes a real boy and death tells pinocchio like you're not a real boy you're like something worse you're cursed to like come here until the end of time like you know i'll turn this hourglass and uh you hang out here with me until there was something yeah it was so you'll hang out longer and longer Uh and i thought it was such a i think uh, those sequences were some of my favorite things in the entire film i think uh the animation there was absolutely spectacular uh, breathtaking mm-hmm. too, and I think just the character design worked. Uh, yeah, and it kind yeah, of well, sets up this idea of like, well, what it really sets into motion this idea of like, what is a real boy or what makes life precious, right? The fact that Pinocchio is immortal, as the as the the deity told Pinocchio, like that, you know, that's what makes human life so precious. It's like it goes, it will end, and stuff. Yeah, and yours won't exactly. Uh huh. And makes and 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 the the meditation on time too and how Pinocchio goes grows to appreciate that and gets to value what life is when he sacrifices the fact that he won't have any more of it mm-hmm. in order to save his father in the mouth of, you know, the monster, the sea monster, mm-hmm. which I also thought was successful. Um, the whole, you know, of course, Geppetto gets followed by a sea monster, that whole parts there. And I think it, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. The, the sea monster um, sequences worked significantly better than the monstro sequences of the Disney Pinocchio remake. I yeah. think uh I think they handled it I think short. Uh I think my favorite part of the actual sequence might have been when when Geppetto gets uh the captain to like kind of roll him to that island and uh 
like the sea captain, the, the captain sees Monstro and basically just like goodbye, and just like jumps into the water, just jumps, yeah, yeah, <laughs> leaving yeah. Geppetto right in that rowboat to get eaten up by Monstro. Yeah. I I don't think his name is Monstro. I think it's just Sea Monster, but you know, it's Monstro. Yeah, Let's it might be, be in uh in the in the Disney one. I mean, this film handled so many aspects of Pinocchio's uh tale so well, like the growing of the nose. Mm-hmm. I think that was effectively used because it was um, it had it had a payoff. He was able to yes. use it to get out where in the Disney ones, it's just like there was no payoff. All we know is that he lies and we he learns a lesson about like lying here. Yeah. Like there is at least a way for him to there's a payoff at the end of like how he can save the day with lying. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest change and I think the most effective one, too, and that really ties in nicely with the messaging of the overall film is that classically in this tale of Pinocchio, he becomes a real boy. He does not become, spoiler, he does not become a real boy in this film. Guillermo del Toro was actually very much against it. Mm-hmm. And he said, to me, it's essential to counter the idea that you have to change into a flesh and blood child to be a real human. All you need to be human is to really behave like one. So I've never believed that that transformation be demanded for Pinocchio to gain love. I don't like know. He, so essentially... But, like, Pinocchio should be loved for who he is, for what he is, yeah. not be changed into something else, I just feel like which is, I think, a core gonna... messaging. Yeah, I what, think he's okay, gonna side say with, what you're going to say. He's going to side with, like, the AI when it inevitably becomes our overlords, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, don't worry. Like, as long as the AI can almost feel like us, it's okay. It's like, yes. no, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not. They're not human. Well, you said the key word there, uh, Rolando, inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they will be our inevitable inevitable overlords for sure. I'm yeah. a firm believer. Do you think that Disney rushed their live action remake of Pinocchio because they heard that Netflix had acquired Del Toro's version and they were like, we're going to beat ours to the punch and we're going to be better and more successful? That's as a Disney good does. question. I don't. Um, and maybe do you think people don't want to watch Del Toro's Pinocchio because they already watched the Disney one? Do you think that there is kind of question. like this I think, Pinocchio fatigue? I don't disagree. This, this is the third Pinocchio adaptation this year. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. I think you were telling me about the other Either, one. Yeah, yeah, the other one with starring Pauly Shore as the voice of Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, yeah. That would, I don't know where that would end up. I do want to see it one day because it's, it looks so terrible. But yeah. um yeah, as the third one, I think Pinocchio fatigue is a real thing, right? But um I think this one might win over Watermelon. I think if Disney wanted to beat Pinocchio Netflix with a punch, it's not because they wanted to have uh to be there first. I think it's just like they wanted theirs out before Guillermo del Toro, right? Because that's a harder gamble. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. like going up against a Polly Shore bootleg version, like that's that's the easy win. But going against a yeah. Game of the Toro is just like, ooh, this could, this is probably going to be a good film, and it is. So it's just like, let's make sure we get our schlock out the way first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's exactly how they talk in meetings at Disney too. Absolutely, sure. that's and this is why Bob Chapek was fired. <laughs> you know? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um. I definitely think that people, I mean, people are watching it. That's a good thing. But I think people, not enough people are watching it or at least engaging in discourse about it because it's a very good film. It is a very good film. I think it's one of the top maybe 10, 15 uh, that we've covered this year uh, in terms of definitely top 10 films. Yeah, we've done an almost an episode a week that's like 50 properties, you know. Of films, though. Uh, we've covered more films in television by far. Really, I'm shocked. Yeah, okay. by far. Yeah, yeah. If you look at our the list I've compiled for our best of episode, um, and I I definitely think me and Eddie are the example that other people are, which is like, do I really want to watch another Pinocchio film? And this is nothing like what you think it is. I don't know. Did you have like an idea of what you thought this was, and then when you watch it, you're like, oh, I didn't think this was going to be it, and this is better than what I thought. Yeah, that's definitely. what I experienced. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I experienced. I re- I didn't think it was gonna give me a new story. Yeah, like I mm-hmm. really didn't think that. I thought I was just gonna go through all the beats. Uh, exactly, but, um, and I thought it was gonna be dark. Yeah, uh, yeah, but but then it was so deep. 
and it yeah. it took me there. It took me to the idea of what it is to love and to lose, what it is to be human and be mortal, and know that people in, that you love may pass on, and there'll be a time where it's just going to be you, and then the people and and the people that you love are just going to be in your heart, and that's it. And yeah. so even the end, it's just like. I was, oh, I was, I was weeping. Mess. I was weeping because it's like, you know, poor Pinocchio. But also, this is like, kind of the reality as you get yeah, older and you live longer. You know, people pass. Yeah. And... No, it was beautiful because the pine cone. You know, being why Pinocchio was born uh-huh. and being you know the thing that Carlo was holding in his hand essentially when he died. You know, we like it ends on that, and the voiceover of Jib- uh, Sebastian Cricket says, you know. We, we we do, we're born, we come here to do what we do, stuff happens, and then that's it. And the pine cone drops. And it's just like, for some reason, that hit me so hard. It was like, yeah, like, shit kind of is meaningless at the end of the day, and, like, life is arbitrary. But, like, that's what life is, and there's actually kind of beauty to it. And I, I was not expecting agree. a Pinocchio yeah. movie. <laughs> to no, leave yeah, yeah. It's so, so, to answer your question, though... I agree with you guys both, right? Like, I think that's that this movie delivered in ways that I wasn't expecting it to. But in terms of what I got, I don't know. I think this was more or less what I was expecting, to be quite honest, because it's a Guillermo del Toro film. I was ready as soon as I knew it was going in. I'm just like, I'm going to get ready for not a Disney version of Pinocchio. And I mm. was right. And he delivered in the most unexpected ways of giving me the same story, just very differently. Uh, like remixing things to a point where just like this, is, it feels brand new without feeling completely brand new. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I thought this was, I think this, I, I would agree with you. Like, I think this is easily one of my favorite films so far that we have covered this year. Uh, I think, I think, it, this movie's probably going to, you know, it's no Wednesday, right? Like Wednesday broke records on Netflix, but I think this is going to be one of those slow burn movies where uh, I think I, I definitely see this movie getting a Oscar nomination for best animated film. And that's going to yeah. pick up the the views for it being like, what? There's a Netflix movie that's a uh, best animated. What movie is this? And they'll go check it out. And I think that's when this movie probably will start shining. But, you know, it's a Guillermo del Toro film and that's, you know, I yeah. it's yeah. already got a ninety eight on it. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, as opposed to Disney's like thirty two for Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and even, yeah, even the uh, this is definitely a spoiler, but even the the thing that I thought was going to easily come off as a plot device or cheesy ended up being beautiful when Sebastian uses his wish. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. was just like mm-hmm. I'm like oh my god and I almost forgot about it mm. like it's like how are they gonna bring Pinocchio back and I said wait a minute isn't there a wish something something around here and then when he said it, I'm like oh my god yes and it's like this is great and it but it's even too it's like this is almost like this, this is a cricket who had plans for himself for fame and fortune and he's like this means nothing but the life of that boy means everything i was like wow yeah yeah seriously i was like wow i like jiminy cricket i keep calling him jiminy yeah sebastian Sebastian j cricket like wow he has my whole heart because like he makes sense and he speaks volumes in ways that the other characters can't you know and he sees things more clearer than they can't than they can Mm -hmm. um yeah, it was it was a great surprise. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be musical. I thought it was going to be more of like a dark horror version of Pinocchio. So I just was I wasn't prepared, and it was a very pleasant surprise. Maybe one of the categories for the end of the year show will be you know biggest surprises of the year. Interesting. I wasn't. And this will be. A... I was just going to say I I just that's the one thing you you uh horror keeps coming up. It's just like I at no point was expecting horror for this movie, and I think creepy every now and then this kind of creep into this film. Uh, yeah. but, uh, like, I think the best, one of the best parts in the animation was, like, when Pinocchio was, like, kind of, like, like almost spider-like for the first time when we see him in yeah, the shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I was just like, that's creepy. That was good, uh, yeah. No, no wonder Geppetto's terrible. <laughs> Poor dr- <laughs> hungover Geppetto seeing a spider boy and then cockroaches yeah. coming out of it. Like, it's just, like, terrifying. Yeah, but, what did I do last night? Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, no, this was this movie was actually quite a wonderful surprise. It was also, you know, I mean, look, let's be very honest. Netflix has kind of been having a shitty year in terms of like yep. stock market. So it's nice to know, like, we've just covered two Netflix properties in a row that have been kind of like, okay, we're Netflix is a, they're just saving all their 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 gems for the end of the year, I guess. And smart, Seriously, yeah, because that's when a lot of the award season starts. So yes. you know, this push is, it, yeah. mm-hmm. push it then. Uh, do you think do you think they'll make Trixie and Katya watch this (laughs) I don't that's a great question I think they should because I want to hear I want to hear Katya's uh, reactions to this yeah I want to see them just like completely like moved and made messes by this movie so because yeah I mean Um, that's the thing yeah it's it's it was a nice movie it was very very pleasant to watch and stuff and it was like an easy watch it was an easy it was like a breezy two hours uh yeah and i just found myself just completely enamored where you know the other pinocchio like i think it was maybe about the same runtime and it felt like an eternity at times (laughs) sam sam um but what did you guys think did you watch both versions do you have a favorite you got to share your thoughts with us you can email us Remakes Reboots Revivals at gmail.com. Instagram at Remakes Reboots Revivals. Twitter at Remakes Podcast. We are on YouTube and Facebook if you search for Remakes Reboots Revivals. Uh, you can. Oh my gosh, am I forgetting one? I feel like I'm forgetting one. No, yeah, I said Facebook. email. Email. Okay. And yes, I said Facebook and YouTube. And last but not least, if you want to call in and leave a voice memo, you should do so by calling this number. 862-248-2326. That's 862-248-2326. And uh, check out our polls and let us know if, if we should do Avatar Way of Water. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to decide. I mean, yeah. Why don't you want to cover it? Because you don't want to sit in the theater for three hours? That's I didn't enjoy the first me. film. Oh, I, I did. But that's yeah. the thing. Like, I, the, yeah. I, all right. There, you and I may be on the same page. Like, I don't care for the original film. I don't care for Avatar, but like everyone's hyping the shit out of it. Everyone's like, we have to see it. And I'm like, but it's a three hour sequel to a movie that wasn't that good to begin with. Right. Like, Everyone just wants to get I swept away by the visuals again. But it's just like, I, I don't know. I have a PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> you said it best. You said it best. All right, guys. Well, until next time, stay, stay unoriginal. original.